The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Table Talk. My name is Luke and I am at the table, virtual though it may be, with Ben and Dave. Hey guys. Hey. So, how, how have you guys been? What's the news? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually, it's kind of funny, we were chatting just before that uh, none of us have had the best of days and we're sort of like, you know, coming from that and in, into our, into recording and uh, it's sort of like, this is the highlight of the day for me. So, I'm actually pretty psyched about this. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had a bit of a mixed batch because new phones always exciting. I finally went from an SE to an SE2, so Ooh, yeah, I was happy right. about that. That is cool. But now I've got to get all the different adaptions and... Finding the, the um, lightning to audio adapter was a little bit more difficult than I would have liked, but I got it and here I am recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glad you sorted did, it out. Did it not come with one? No, it didn't come with one. Um, it did come with um, the headphones, the wireless ones, so I didn't actually need an audio port for normal use, but of course, we don't exactly for use our phones for normal use. Mm. Yeah, okay. Huh. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, the other news, I suppose, is last week when we were recording, I was in Townsville, and I'm not now, so <laughs> that's news. <laughs> this is true. Welcome home. Mm-hmm. Yep. So good to have you back with us, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even feel like you left. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, welcome to COVID. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, um, just um, just before we get into doing our uh, humans of Adventism question to uh, to kick that off, I do just want to I just want to pause because obviously with with what we're doing with the podcast, we are all about having the conversations that aren't happening at church, having those those deep discussions that actually produce growth in the people that are having them and. Hopefully, we're not just having them in a vacuum. Hopefully, you guys are hearing the conversations that we are having and being inspired to do that as well. And mm-hmm. as a part of that, you, we consider you to be a part of the movement that we, are, that we are a part of. We are not the content creators and you are the users or the audience. You know, we think of ourselves as being a part of the broader ATT family together with you all on this mission together. And so... As a part of that, I wanted to just pause and ask a favor of you guys. Now, we don't do this very often because it feels weird to ask you guys to do something. But what I am going to ask you to do is to take a look at whatever your favorite episode has been from our podcast and share it with at least one person that you know. If, if everybody shares the podcast with somebody, then then we could potentially you know, double the impact that we're having. And it, like I said before, it's not about us having impact, but we're all on a mission together here to change the culture that's around us. And the way we do that is by sharing these ideas further. And so if you have been blessed by anything that we've done, if you've really enjoyed any of the conversations, uh, we would really appreciate it if you paused right now and... It, pick this episode or another one and just fire it off and, and recommend this podcast to someone else who may enjoy it. So, And maybe just as a caveat, yeah. if you don't feel like you can recommend any of the episodes, then give us a better suggestion. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. 
and if you get get to doing that, uh, we'll be able to um, incorporate them because I know this Saturday, this Sabbath, mm-hmm. that's actually on my list of things to do is go through and work out what our new content's going to be. Awesome. See, so hopefully we get to hear from you guys and uh, yeah, get to add to our list because uh, you know without those without those ideas, if we don't know what you're interested in talking more about and dialoguing together on, then yeah, we obviously can't talk about it. So um, looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Mm, definitely. So, the question that we're going to be kicking off our episode with before we get to the main point is, what is your internal monologue like? <laughs> Thank you very much, Caleb Isley. <laughs> Getting a bit personal, aren't we? Mm, I think that's kind of the point of these questions, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's yeah. good. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I know. It's kind of like going, going to a doctor and them saying, you know, hey, so how long have you felt this way? And I go, that's a bit of a personal question, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. So let's define the terms. What, what do we mean when we say internal monologue? I'd say that, like for me, that's that's what you tell yourself about yourself. That's how you process what's going on around you. What you, what the conversation that you have with yourself inside your head, while while your life's going on on the outside. Right. How honest should we be? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. <laughs> uh, oh, now look. All right, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. So. My internal monologue has changed over the last couple of years because since high school, I've been avoiding education like the plague. I I didn't do well at school. I didn't like school. I was an active child. And when you sit down in a classroom uh, as an active child, um, you kick against that, right? So for me, as a, as a young person, school was like the worst thing you know, anyone could possibly ask me to do, except for PE and like lunch and recess. So then, you know, the thought of going on and doing further like higher education after high school was like a scary thought because me and the academic world didn't really mix, right? And then the end of 2018, uh, I was talking to God about my future saying like, I feel a little bit lost here, mate. Like, (laughs) can you give me a bit of direction, please? And the direction that I got was in the form of higher education. And I was like, are you sure? (laughs) This doesn't feel good. And so my internal monologue since then has been this battle uh, like against myself because I feel a very clear leading from God uh, to, to challenge myself to, to go further in this area uh, to, so that my, the, the, uh, like my passion is to make a difference with my life, right? I don't want to spend you know, however many years I get here on this planet and then like, you know, it be wasted. Mm-hmm. So when, when thinking about how to maximize your influence, sometimes uh, having a, a career path can like create an exponential growth factor to the, the influence that you can have, right? Mm. So in the back of my head, I've got this, this monologue that's God's monologue that says, you're going to have so much more influence if you get through this degree. And then there's my monologue that says, yeah, but <laughs> I'm not cut out for this academic stuff, God. Or, you know, like everybody else is so much smarter than me. So, like, why do I, why should I even bother if I can't be the, be the brightest person in the room or whatever it has to be, you know, that's running around in my head at any given moment? And so, yeah, my internal monologue most of the time is this battle. Uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist by nature. So, a bit. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think a bit, you know, you can call it what you like, probably much more than a bit, but anyway. (laughs) And so, like, I really want to strive for excellence, right? With whatever I do, I want to strive for excellence. And so, yeah, that provides a challenge, right? You know, whenever you're striving for excellence, if you don't get that excellence, then you beat yourself up. And that's, you know, my monologue is constantly me preparing myself for a beating before it even takes place <laughs> <laughs> and then handing it out when it does. And then there's like that rare moment like I got first semester of this year where I actually did really well in the subject and I felt really proud of myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's kind of a confusing monologue, but there you go. Welcome to my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you asked. <laughs> yeah. What I find really interesting, and I think what typically bears out with questions like this is how different people's perception, no, how different people's experience is from other people's perception. Because, mm. I mean, we know each other really well, and so we probably have half a clue. But if you were to take like one step out in your circle of influence and the people that see you from slightly further back, they would probably go, what, how, why would you think that? You know, you, you appear to be, you know, intelligent and influential and like, you know, all of the things that you, that we feel insecure about the people like that are that little bit further away, look at us and they don't see that at all in a lot of cases. So I always find that quite interesting. Yeah. For for me, sorry. Can I just, can I just add one more thing? I know I'm doing a lot of talking, so I'll I'll apologize and I'll shut up in a minute. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) So... I just want to say as well, I, I feel like I left out a, a really important part of my internal monologue and that is that, so I haven't I haven't been doing great, if I'm going to be really honest, with the holding my relationship with God and my dedication to university uh, intention and university has definitely been getting a much bigger look in than God has and so, you know, there's this wrestle inside of me that feels like I'm trying to do this thing for God but I'm trying to do it without Him. And so, I just want to say that in spite of that, part of my internal monologue is that um, I just know that I'm a son of the King mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that, you know, God loves me for who I am, uh, not what I do. Mm-hmm. And so, no matter how good or how bad I am at connecting with Him at any given moment, I can have peace. Uh, I'm not saying that I always do, but I can have peace. Um, and so I just want to add that little, you know, dimension because I just feel like I missed a whole spiritual aspect. And so, yeah, part of my internal monologue is that I have this incredible peace knowing that, that God is good, mm. even when I'm not. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to sip it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny, you know, Dave, like I, I resonate with, uh, with, with a number of aspects there. But for me, my my internal dialogue is... I definitely don't think I'm as much a perfectionist as you are. I definitely suffer from that. It, it, it doesn't feature as heavily for me. But for me, what what does seem to float to the surface is that I I feel like God has equipped me with a whole bunch of you know this this Swiss Army knife, right? Like I've got these skills and talents that I have, and I'm like super keen to use them, and I just don't have the time to use seventy percent of them, and I I feel like I at least for the last few years anyway, I, I feel like I'm constantly running and burning all of my energy trying to catch up with where I I feel like I'm supposed to be. I feel that that's probably a good way to put it. I feel like 
I'm not not necessarily doing something wrong, but I feel like I'm constantly behind with every in every aspect of my life. If I look at it objectively and when I have that, that clear perspective, I think, yeah, well, you know, there is actually some really great stuff in my life. You know, I love my family. I love being a dad. I love my wife. I, I love you guys. And, you know, ATT is a real blessing being a part of this and talking to people like as a result of that. There's bunches of good stuff, but... I guess because I I think <laughs> this is obviously it, it, there's a disparity between here and reality, but I feel like I I see where I could be if you know certain circumstances were different, and because of that, I I'm frustrated by where I am constantly, and I know that that's not healthy, and so my current uh, thing that I, I guess I, I try to do with my internal monologue is to surrender that to God in the sense that. I need to stop comparing or, or stop thinking I should be here and instead embrace and be content with what I have the capacity to do here and now. So that's mm-hmm. probably fairly reflective of most areas of my life at the moment. I sort of feel the same pattern is in play in most areas. So if God came to you like he did to Solomon and he said, Luke, I'm going to give you one thing, what will it be? What would it be? <laughs> 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 If I say anything apart from wisdom, I'm scripturally wrong. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, well, I, I don't think so. L- l- well, my point was that was Solomon's answer, and he that was the right answer. So I'm so I feel obligated to give that answer. But um, that was that was before he got wisdom, though. So you never know; it might have been the wrong yeah. answer. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> no, I'm just nah, kidding. Well, re- really, I, I would probably say one one of two things because I, I either contentment, as in being okay with where I'm at, but still continuing on. That's probably the most realistic answer. The answer that I guess my carnal self wants is to give me a big remote control so I can slow time down <laughs> and get everything done that I want to do. That That's probably the mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can really resonate with that. Mm. So with mine, um, as you both know, when my life's been a big ball of change the last couple of years, it's just... Pure chaos sometimes. I mean, it's great. It changes a fantastic thing in life. But mm. right now, if there's one thing that's constantly going through my mind is, if I just get these few things done, maybe I can get a little bit more stability for a little while. Because mm. I, I just love the balance in life between stability and chaos. And currently, it feels like I've tipped right over into chaos. And it's constantly going through my mind. Okay, we'll get these things done. And yeah, it'll give me a couple of days of um, peace. And that's a case of, oh, but all of this, this and this and this is popping up. So we better get started on that. Hmm. And it's just leading me to run from one thing to the next in a very chaotic fashion at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shifting from uh, being rea- uh, yeah, reactive to proactive is sort of the challenge, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm feeling like I'm doing that with table talk a lot more of late. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just, just getting that with my uh, with business as well. Home home life is um, pretty good there as well now. Mm-hmm. It's just I think business is starting to, um, yeah, it, it's still a little bit chaotic there. But I think in the next six months it'll it'll settle and then, um, yeah, then I'll start craving the chaos because I, I know full well that once I get the stability there, I'll I'll start adding things in order to um, add a little bit of chaos to my life. So I I can't 
I'm not one to sit still and mm-hmm. I'm never one to be 100% happy where everything is. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like, I, I think there is there is a tension. I, I feel like this is turning into like a, a discussion all by itself. But I, I what you, something that you said there, and I feel like it matches very well with, with a, a theme that I was thinking, you know, uh, considering before. And that is, there seems to be this, uh, in scripture, there is a tension between contentment and holy discontent, right? Mm-hmm. Where Abraham is is a great example, you know he had he was in Ur and he was doing fine, but he had that discontent with what was around him, and that caused him to pursue God and started the, this whole well, God led him out, and this whole narrative started in Scripture. There's a lot of examples of those sort of things in Scripture where people had a holy discontent; they weren't happy with the status mm-hmm. quo; they wanted to see growth or movement or whatever it may have been. Uh, the challenge is knowing the difference, knowing whether it is the, the holy variety or the destructive variety. And I, I think that takes mm-hmm. a lot of discernment. So. <laughs> Can we just scrap our plans and continue talking about Let's that? Let's do this. Hey, would you, yeah. would you be okay with that, Luke? Mister, I need to be prepared for everything. Absolutely. I'm getting a lot better at that. So go for it. <laughs> Where well, are we? We were looking at a No Agenda episode, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess this is truly No Agenda. We didn't even get to the text. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shifting um, gears. Because I wanted to say that I've, when you said before, when I asked you, you know, if God could give you one thing, what, what would you ask? Hmm. And, you, and you said maybe contentment. I was just like, that blew my mind. Like, what a thing to ask for, right? Hmm. Because, you know, sometimes we get so, like so wound up in our minds about, you know, all the things we'd like to be doing Mm -hmm. that we forget to be present with the things that we are doing Mm -hmm. or, you know, the things that actually are going on all around us, right? You know, you might be, you might be out walking with your kids, Luke, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, there's, it's a beautiful day, you know, Seth is riding his bike. What's he looking at? Mm -hmm. He's looking at the birds and, oh, it's a truck, daddy. It's a truck. (laughs) (laughs) And and you're just walking the street thinking, you know, but I've got to do this, 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 and this when I get home. And you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Rather than enjoying and being present with that moment with Mm -hmm. your son. Oh, yeah. You know, how, how I, I kind of, I'm just using that as an example because it's, you know, really, um, you know, obvious, mm-hmm. but I, I know it's the same for you and I, Ben, who don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we get so wrapped up sometimes in all the things we want to be doing or need to be doing or should mm-hmm. be doing mm-hmm. that we forget to enjoy the things we are doing. Yes. Um, and so, you know, like I just thought, you know, that's such a powerful thing to, to ask for, you know, if you could ask God for one thing, mm-hmm. you know, is just to be content. But I also do really like the nuance that you just presented where, you know, we should also be discontent in that mm. we're striving for, striving for growth, mm. um, not necessarily for better, but for growth. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how do we how do we define that? How like you you're the one that brought this up, Luke. So I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> how do you define holy discontent versus contentment in in God? I was actually giving some thought to this before, and I think the the core difference is the result that it yields. So right. if you are if you are feeling discontented and you and you look at your life and and see where the outflow of that is what is the fruit of that discontent is it making you a better person that is following god more closely and loving the people around you better or is it making you and everyone around you miserable right uh, like you know mm-hmm. assuming you you followed the course right 
and I think I think the fruit of the discontent, uh, or that like the if you were taking action to remedy it, I think that's probably a a fair indicator because even though sometimes if we're discontented about a, a circumstance in our life that isn't as God would have it, and you're taking action to remedy that, that may make yourself and may make other people unhappy in in the short term, but the 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 eventual result, the fruit that it would bear in the end, is a better, you know, better relationship with God, and then you know the outflow of that is a better relationship with the people around you. You know, as an example, because I do find it so difficult to find time for devotions because you know the kids wake up so early, and you know all of those sorts of things. You know, I I've been trying to teach uh, Seth as my oldest. Uh, I, you know, he's three, and I'm trying to teach him that. Uh, you know, in the morning, you know, he plays by, by himself for a little bit while daddy reads his Bible. And, you know, he sometimes like tries to stop me and whatever. And because it's a new thing. And so he's still adjusting to it. But I try to explain to him, no, buddy, look, I know you want daddy to play with you. And I, I'm not asking you for much time. I just want to read one chapter. But if daddy reads the Bible, that makes daddy a better daddy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to like get that get that point through. And Yes, it makes him unhappy in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to probably stop me from blowing my lid at him in half an hour's time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there is a there's a net positive. I'm overall I'm going to be more in control, more surrendered to God, and a and a better father at the end of the day. So, you know, yes, it may be temporarily uncomfortable. There's a lot of examples, but that's just one example of you know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Seeing as we're going like full off the cuff, can I just ask you to explain like how do you feel that like reading your Bible a chapter that morning yeah. is going to stop you from you know blowing your top at Seth in half an hour's time? Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I think it's a fair question, you know, because sometimes mm, it's a good question. You know, we mm. we look at these practices as though you know the practice is the thing that does mm-hmm. it, but for you, what is it about reading your Bible that changes the your perspective for the day ahead? Yeah, so. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know why, but if I'm consuming content, like you know, listening to a podcast or watching YouTube or whatever, you know, if I'm doing that, my brain is engaged in a completely different way than it is if I'm reading my Bible and praying. And right. so, w- one of the things that that does for me, anyway, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but for me, when I do that, it allows me to. And this might sound funny, but it allows me to practice God's presence. Now, like that might sound weird, but I find it very easy to forget God completely. When your day is so full, it is really easy to forget God. If mm-hmm. I have taken intentional time to slow my brain down enough to try to dig into a passage and ask myself, what was what's God trying to communicate here, and and pray, uh, that that sets my brain on a different set of rails. So I, it moves more slowly. So I, I feel like I have more time to respond to things because I'm not rushing from one thing to the next. I feel like I've got myself into a good frame of mind first. You know? And mm-hmm. I, like another way I'm experiencing this at the moment, I can't remember. I might've actually even mentioned this in the previous episode, but um, this uh, in the, oh, yeah, I did, I did. We were talking about the importance of prayer. I think we were last week um, in, in Francis mm-hmm. Chan's book, you know, saying that we should, uh, endeavor to, uh, well, not he's saying we should pray for an hour a day, but he's saying in his pastoral staff, if any of his pastoral staff admit to praying less than an hour a day, he fires them so they can go and get themselves right with God. And I, and I was really challenged by that. And I thought, well, I don't spend an hour a day in prayer, you know, like 
I would not actually even know how long I spend a day in prayer. And so I, I opened the next morning, I opened the um, stopwatch app in my phone and just hit go when I started praying. Not that I was trying to pray for a long time, but just when I finished praying, I stopped it. And then a bit later in the day, I prayed again. And so I just did it mm-hmm. just basically as an exercise to figure out how much time I do spend. That day, just because I was conscious of it, I spent half an hour in prayer that day, you know, in probably two or three patches. But that was so much longer than normal simply because I was conscious of how long I was doing it, right? Like I was actually spending more time because I was being conscious of it. But that day, I felt so much more peace. I was, I felt a lot more in control. And that's a really long-winded answer to your question. But I think it, it slows down my brain enough so I'm aware... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like you've got a third-person view. You know what I mean? Like you, you can step oh, yeah. away from your emotions and you mm-hmm. are able to see things more clearly for the rest of the day. Yeah. Well, I really liked it actually that, you you know, the way you put it by saying slow, slowing your day down a bit, mm. you know, because sometimes, you know, when things are going so rapidly, it is really hard to to stop and to allow God into that part of your mm. day. You yes. know, you're so you're so flat out so busy, and there's a cost that right. So, mm. yeah. so, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just when you said to allow God in, because there is a cost. If you spend time with God, you are sacrificing something else. It is uh, it's a zero sum game, right? There's a winner and there's a loser because you you can't invent time. Anything that you add to your day, something else is going to lose out. And so, if you're adding God, you're losing something else that you would have considered important as well. But you're just prioritizing God instead. Sorry, go on. Poten- I just wanted to point that out. I was going to say potentially, potentially. Um, I mean, think about. Uh, I'm thinking about this in the um the way you look at sleep, right? Mm. Um, you look at people who only sleep five hours a day. Now you're going to say, well, they're obviously more productive, right? Mm. Wrong. They spend more time on the tasks. So the person who sleeps at the full eight hours, they can get the same things done, and they'll get it done a lot quicker. Oh yeah. So potentially. That. <laughs> yeah. So potentially, what we're talking about here with prayer is, could you say that, although Although you are investing that time in God, you could say that you're getting it back with less frustration, less anxiety, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So that you're able to better focus. Yes. Yeah. So, so I heard a couple of things that interested me. So basically what I heard you were saying is that by, by getting that sense of grounding at the beginning of your day, which is what you're saying you're doing with God and that's slowing, slowing the day down a little bit for you, giving mm-hmm. you that perspective that's back a little bit from your emotions. Mm. By, by slowing it down a little bit, it, it gives you the opportunity to, to approach the day from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing you said is that if we don't do that, we are inclined to forget. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, it, it's obviously always been like that because it, was it in the book of Deuteronomy where God instructed the Israelites to, to wear like the blue mm-hmm. tassel yeah. mm-hmm. uh, on their garments? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, a, that was a memory tag, right? That was mm-hmm. to remind them of you know God's presence, God's law, mm-hmm. um, the fact that God had redeemed them from uh, Egypt yeah. and that he was calling them to live a, a better life than what they had done as slaves. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it's an inclination that we all face. And then I was just looking up before that in the Psalms, um, David is, is a lot of the time he, he talks about, uh, well, there's that Psalm where he repeats himself, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Mm. Um, you'd be familiar with that yeah. one. And then mm-hmm. in Psalm 78, he says, they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so in, in the book of Psalms, David is talking about the importance of this idea of, of not forgetting God because there's something about remembering him 
that changes the way that we live our lives. Mm. So for you, Luke, you were saying in a sense that that's, that's, I guess, a sense of grounding, a sense of awareness. What about you, Ben? How, how do you feel that, you know, having this, this like escape at the beginning of the day where you spend a bit of time with God and you put your life in perspective, how does that affect you on a daily basis? Like when, when you get that chance, because I know we're, we're not perfect and we <laughs> fail sometimes. <laughs> I do get what Luke was saying about slowing it down. I, I think it gives us is focus, Focus right. on um, what's in front of us, and because because the chaos kind of moves aside a little bit, we're able to breathe and actually take the moment in a little bit better. Because mm-hmm. I feel that, in a way, spending that little bit of time of, with God gives us a little bit more control, uh, or at least the feeling of control over our day. And because yep. of that, we're able to sit back a little bit further from from the chaos when it comes in, because it's it's going to. And we're able to actually process it and look at it from a um, a better point of view than what we yeah, would have yeah. if we just ran straight into it. So, so in a sense, you're saying that it's kind of like a deep breathing exercise, yeah. Only on a spirit, spiritual level, you know, mm-hmm. that you're preparing yourself for what might come by just just slowing down your breathing a little bit, just getting yourself ready, mm-hmm. uh, and putting yourself into that mindset. Mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to that. Um, I, I haven't experienced that that kind of effect of devotions for quite some time now but i can remember times in my life where i was i I was looking forward to getting up in the morning to spend time with god Mm -hmm. and just feeling energized by that opportunity to meet with him in the morning and i remember this one morning i i had just had this thrilling experience in in my devotions and i was just walking down the the road uh where i lived at the time uh you know no cars it was in the bush um, and I was just walking down the road, talking to God aloud, just thanking him for what he had showed me that morning and kind of the love that he, he you know, just showers upon us no matter whether we deserve it or not. And um, I just just felt this urge to just like, you know, just kick my heels, you know, mm-hmm. just in sheer joy of the, ex- of the experience. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it's been a long time since I've felt that way uh, because of devotions. But so there's kind of two ways in which I can see that it affects us. You know, one way is that kind of just that deep breath of like, I'm ready now. And then maybe sometimes it's, it's more than that. Maybe sometimes it's actually, you know, just giving you a little bit of a spring in your step. Mm. So I think there's multiple ways that it can, mm. can happen. And now just connecting this back to what we we're talking about yep. earlier, if, if you're ready, mm. um, how, how could this, this practice affect our contentness? Well, I was just thinking about what, when we were talking before, I was just looking up a few verses and what mm. came to mind was First Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I think huh. I think that it's the whole spending time with God, you know, being yoked to God, you know, the whole him taking half our burdens away from us. Well, fully, we're just, we're just on the other side of the yoke, kind of just he's lifted us off the ground and mm. running with our, everything we've got. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, it, it's a case of letting God take over. Right. I mean, you, maybe you've seen these, um, you know, when you're driving along, you have a look at the um, the various churches' little, um, their signs, and it, occasionally one pops up. If if God is your co-pilot, hmm. switch seats. Yeah, so true. I always laugh when that one pops up. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, I think one... One one way that this happens for me um, is that when I'm spending time with God, particularly through prayer, I think, um, more so than reading the Word, but, but both of them, um, it gives you a sense of, um, 
I suppose what you were talking about before, Luke, in a sense of that third person reality, mm. but also just a, um, a sense of awareness of everybody else mm. as well. Because sometimes we can get so trapped in our own life mm-hmm. um, that we forget to, I guess, observe those around us. Mm. And so when you're in prayer, you know, sometimes you're thinking, all right, who, who do I, you know, need to be asking God a favor for today? Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're, you're praying through, you know, the people that you love and, and you're just noticing sometimes the difficulty that they might be experiencing in their life mm. or the good things that they might be going on in their, that might be going on in their lives that you can thank God for. Mm-hmm. And th- mm. the one way that that affects my contentedness is it just gets me a, a, out of myself a little bit yeah. and teaches me to think a little bit selflessly. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, one of the strategies for me, you know, that I think we should all try to um, employ uh, around contentedness is just that, you know, just being aware of the people that are less fortunate than we are because then that puts in perspective our own suffering mm. um, because we will suffer, you know, whether it's trying to find an adapter in the store and getting the wrong one, Ben, <laughs> you know, which which at the time feels frustrating and you're like, why is this happening to me? And then you remember you've got a friend who has cancer and you're like, oh, maybe the adapter's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's sometimes easier to be content with what we have when we're aware of those around us uh, because quite often there is something to be grateful for mm. in the lives of those around us when we're not having a great time or there's something that we should be thinking of them and just sympathizing you know, for them in, instead of you know, <laughs> whinging about our own problems. Yeah. yeah. If I can just go back, Dave, to something that you said originally when you were talking about your internal monologue, you said that um, even though you know, even though, and you know, insert negative monologue here, you still felt uh, that connection to God. You still felt that there was reason to trust in His faithfulness. Yeah. I, I want to circle back to that because I think we underestimate that a lot because yeah. we. As humans, we have that tendency to um, believe in behavior, even if we don't say we do. And we go, okay, well, then, you know, if my experience doesn't look like this, well, therefore, you know, God is displeased with me. And so it's not that God loves us when when we're doing things that he wishes we wouldn't. It's not saying that. What what my point is... I think we we project our own inadequacies onto God where we say mm. right. that person you know if I'm not measuring up to what I expect then therefore God mustn't like me either. And I think yep. by projecting our inadequacies onto God I think that is very damaging to our own contentedness. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. And, absolutely and and I was just thinking the moment we do that we're stepping on from grace to works aren't we yeah we're starting to think um become more works worse bakes thinking and we all know that's not the not the way to god and it's not how god operates mm-hmm. and it certainly doesn't lead to contentment you know? <laughs> yeah. you know like you were just talking about letting go of our burdens mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. that's that's one way to take them up mm-hmm. you yeah know, to live through that <laughs> paradigm mm-hmm. and so if you want to have the peace that god is offering um, it's it's a requirement that you let go of the burdens, right? Mm-hmm. And and some of those burdens are exactly what you're talking about, you know, performance, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's so funny, you know. You said insert internal internal monologue here, Luke. Mm-hmm. And in spite of that, I still feel the other. Mm-hmm. I just want to clear that up a little bit and say that's not always the case, mm-hmm. because sometimes the internal monologue is louder mm-hmm. than the monologue that says I'm a child of the king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and I think one way to keep that that monologue um, that says, you know, I can be content in the fact that I am loved by the God of the universe, mm. is is this very practice that we're talking about of starting our day with that reflective time mm-hmm. where we are just recognizing at the beginning of every day that we have so much to be grateful for and especially that God is who he is. Mm. Because if he wasn't, I mean, really, what is there to live for, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? I don't mean to disrespect anybody who doesn't feel that, but from our perspective, you know, through our experience, the lens through which we look at life, um, that is the thing that gives life its worth. Mm. You know, if I didn't know each and every day that there was a God who loved me, um, then my existence from my perspective becomes meaningless. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel a, a lot of guilt in my internal monologue at the moment over how, how infrequent I am at this practice that we're talking about um, because I'm setting myself up for discontentment, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And for those other monologues that I was talking about to be the louder voice mm-hmm. by by and not allowing God's voice t- to have a time in my life. Have you experienced that over recent months? Like how how have you felt that your experience has changed since um, that has been the case? Or do you feel like you're successfully holding off, holding it at bay with that sense of being a child of the King? Can you ask the question again a little bit differently? Because I'm not sure I fully understand. Yeah, I know. Most of the problem was because I said it in a horrible avalanche of words. (laughs) So, let me try that again. (laughs) Do you think that... uh, How has your experience... Okay, let me me start from a different perspective. You mentioned that your... Over recent times with studying, you mentioned that your devotional life has taken a hit as a result of that. Have you noticed significant change in your outlook and your life as a result of that? Um, It's hard to quantify, I suppose. Um, I think the answer is a definite yes. Sometimes you don't notice it, though. Like, it it just happens um, kind of in such small increments Mm. that you don't Mm. see it happening. You just see the net effect later. And I think maybe that's been more my experience, you know, that each day I'm just so focused on the things that I need to do that it's not until, you know, Sabbath comes around, for example, and I actually spend a bit of time with God and I'm like, I've been missing this all week. Mm-hmm. Or maybe something happens, you know, a month or two down the track and I'm like, wow, like I've been trying so hard to do these things for God and not inviting Him in to help me do them. <laughs> you know, it, it just, it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you just feel like such an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like so to answer your question, I think the the effect is definitely there, but yeah, sometimes it's not, you know, a visible effect. Sometimes it just happens a uh, little bit by little bit over time and then it sort of sneaks up on you and you realize, wow, I'm not the person I was a month ago or um I'm I don't have the the grounding that I did a month mm. ago is probably a better way of saying that yeah. because probably not a lot has changed about me. Mm but maybe a lot has changed about my outlook. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've got we've got to be clear about what we're saying and what we're not saying as well. And I think that you know, like I find it really empowering to have these kind of discussions because, you know, speaking as somebody who knows you better than most, like I would say you are closer to God than most of the people that I've ever met in my life. And so with that as as perspective that, you know, that says that there's hope, you know, even when we're not where we need to be there is definitely still hope for that. At the same time, we're definitely not saying that it doesn't matter, (laughs) you know, like, you know, 
totally jettison devotional life because, you know, you can still be close to God anyway is not what we're saying. We're saying there are definite measurable negative effects, but what it doesn't mm-hmm. affect is how God views us. And yeah. we can still have faith and trust in that, but that should inspire us back into his presence. Yeah. Mm. And mm. maybe I could add a little bit of nuance from my own experience mm. that might enlighten, mm. you know, a way in which we keep our faith, like our light alive, even mm. in those times where we aren't adding any fuel to the fire, so to speak. Because mm. mm-hmm. um, so for, throughout um, the first semester, I had a really, really busy schedule and I was, as I mentioned, I was doing really poorly at, at balancing my spiritual and academic life. Um, however, I was very, very conscious of living in such a way that my my peers at university would naturally ask questions of me, you know, because I'm I'm a different person, you know, I'm... I'm sort of nicer than your average human. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. And and for me, that's not that's not um, necessarily directly connected to my devotional experience. I think it's enhanced by it. Mm. Um, but that's a that's a choice that I make whether I uh, whether I'm connecting with God or not. I feel like that's the very best way to to live your life. And so I try to, in my interactions with my peers, I try to to live in such a way that it would inspire them to live better also. Mm-hmm. And a funny thing happens when you have that kind of an outlook. There's this other-centeredness that just naturally creeps in, you know, because you're trying to inspire that in them. And so, you know, you live that out yourself. And so, you know, you go the extra mile. You do the things that Jesus told you you should do, even without him sort of behind your back commanding you to do it, you know. It's just something that becomes ingrained in you. Mm. And then this interesting thing happens. Like when you're doing that, even when you know you're not doing very well spiritually, I think that provides fuel in and of itself. Mm. It sort of propels you forward to to continue to do exactly what it is that God is calling you to do. But it also, from my experience at least, it also uh, provides you some of that perspective and some of that uh, contentment that you know we were just saying. One way of getting that is through your devotions. Mm. So. I think uh, what I'm trying to say in this sort of long-winded story fashion is that I think one way that we can sort of counter counterweight our spiritual life is by by living the teachings of the Bible, by mm-hmm. living the teachings of Jesus in our everyday life, whether or not um, our experience with God is tight. Mm. 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 Yeah, it, it's it takes a lot of intention, doesn't it? It's it's yep. the same with our devotional life, living living our lives every every moment for God. There is it's very intentional hmm. in order to um, be there, and I find it's it's easier with our devotional life, but it's it, it, it's not always um, it's not always easy to get there, even with it. Mm-hmm. Correct, because it's hard to build the habit. Yeah, mm. and so can, yeah. Uh, you first, Luke, because I'm going to swing it a completely different direction. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I was actually going to just go a little a little practical. I know it's something that we've probably spoken about more than once, but I was just going to say, what have you guys found to be the most helpful when you're trying to reboot that connection? Prayer. Mm. I think prayer is the foundation of just about everything. Just mm-hmm. talking with God, I think it's the foundation which leads to everything. My devotional life comes from my prayer life. Mm-hmm. And my um, devotional life enhances that. But without my prayer life, I do not think that a lot of the other things I do, all the other aspects of Christianity that I do, wouldn't happen without that prayer life as its foundation. Yeah. 
It's a it's a really good question, Luke. I I don't know whether I can actually honestly answer it, because <laughs> um, I think you know sometimes it depends on you, on you, like where mm. you're at at the time, yeah. as to what's going to sort of awaken you up out yep. of it. Mm. Um, I can say that one thing that has really jolted me, you know, significantly in this area in the past to sort of I, I guess re fall in love with mm. God is just. I was going to say reading, but it doesn't even need to be reading. Mm. Thinking about, meditating upon, reading about, whatever way you choose, um, but about the crucifixion mm-hmm. event. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's just something really powerful about those last few days of Jesus' life mm. and what that tells you as a person. I think it's it's challenging when you have a little bit of understanding behind you. It's really challenging to read those things and not just have this overwhelming sense that you are incredibly loved mm. yeah yeah i i think like like you dave i'm reluctant to put a label on it because i, th- I do think that it really depends on the person and where they're at in their walk mm. but i think what i would say that is universal is just keep trying stuff don't give up because yeah right. i know for me what works for me doesn't necessarily work for everybody else you know like i, I mm-hmm. recently went through a dry patch in my experience and it, I, I had my like, I guess, reawakening to this by that book I was mentioning earlier, you know, the Francis Chan book, which I just bought as on Audible as a, you know, an audio book and listened while I was cooking, basically, you know, mm-hmm. that he, he his ideas or the way he expressed them and his personal story uh, resonated with me in a way that I didn't have, that I hadn't had from something else for a long time. And that really sparked me. And so that caused me to go back and start spending more time in prayer and more time in my Bible. And then mm-hmm. I was, you know, back onto that set of rails again. And I think it's one of the, this is one of the texts that comes, keeps coming back to me. And that is, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm mm-hmm. a very auditory learner. And so to me, that resonates with me that if I'm really struggling with anything else, like, you know, and I really having a hard time, well then I just need to listen to God's word. And so that might be listening to an audio Bible or audio books or whatever, but I find that a really good way of me reconnecting with God. And because I know that works for me, when nothing else seems to be working, I go back to what I know works and find something that resonates with me. And so that, that's that been my experience. So I would say just keep trying things because mm. there will be something. It's just maybe you haven't tried it yet. Or maybe you haven't found it yet. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah. intentional with your um, searching and yes. listening and sooner or later you'll come across something. Yes, absolutely. So, mm. That's a really good suggestion. Mm. Now, we've been going quite a while, so I don't want to make this too long, yep. but I just mm-hmm. wanted to ask you, you know, can we go back to that idea that you, you mentioned earlier, Luke, of, of holy discontentment then, mm. and, and just contrast these two things because we've spoken a lot about, you know, how to, I guess, experience contentment mm. Mm. more regularly at least, and maybe not all the time, but more regularly. Mm. What about this idea of holy discontentment then? Mm. What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it's... it. It's kind of an it's an interesting thought because often when you look this look this up, you often hear, "Oh, you've got to be if you're going to be con- contentment exists with holiness." Discontentment usually isn't um, mentioned a lot, but I think for me the big thing is this: this world isn't our home, and there's just there is a lot of bad things in this world, a lot of suffering, and I think it's. When you when you see somebody who's not doing so well or some bad things are happening to them, I think that that creates a restless in me um, in order to you know go out and do something that that sense of mm. a sense of justice mm. you know and to bring God's justice and love to this person so that they can have a better life and 
I think there's a um, I think that's why God gives that feeling, at least for me. Hmm. Yeah, and I would just like to put a, an exclamation mark there, Ben. Not because it's my experience so much as it is I've observed it as yours. You have a very high sense of justice. Whenever hmm. whenever something is is not right, you are. Uh, you are heavily affected by that, and I think that it, I think that's something God's put in your heart, you know, and that's mm. and that is something that is fantastic about you and who you are, and I, I think that's a really a really great example of that holy discontent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I wanted to point out um, maybe a, a slight contradiction with what you said just then, Ben, and I, I know mm-hmm. it, it wasn't necessarily meant to be a contradiction, but I think it's <laughs> helpful to to think of it in these two ways. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the idea of us being pilgrims; this world is not our home. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that can actually have the opposite effect to what you described when you went on to talk about, you know, seeing injustice and then doing something about mm. it, mm. whereby, you know, we can see injustice and we can be like, well, it's not our home anyway, who cares? <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Like, we're yeah. just so eager for the second coming that we forget that, you know, we should look after the place where we are in the meantime or make a difference in the world that we're in now mm. rather than just spending all of our time like monks, you know, preparing for what is to come. And yet, yeah, there was that other idea that you mentioned where, you know, we we see injustice and we do something about it. Mm-hmm. How can we how can we hold those two things in tension so that we're not, you know, getting into this lifestyle where, you know, we really couldn't care less about the things going on around us um, because this world is not our home. And yet where we have that in the back of our mind to sort of drive us forward. I think it comes in... It comes in love for the people because the people that we are interacting with, the people that are around us that you're saying, you know, why should we care anyway? Every single mm-hmm. one of them is a potential expat, right? Like every single one of them is a potential sojourner as well on the same journey as we are. And how we treat them can impact whether they choose to become uh, our countrymen or not. And I, I think mean, if right. we see everyone as potentially a sojourner, then we're going to treat them like we are all in a foreign nation and all needing each other's help to get home. I mean, isn't the um, aren't we given the story of the Good Samaritan just for this case? I mean, he, he saw somebody beaten on the side of the road. His his fellow countrymen had just left him there. But his sense of justice um, said, no, I'm, I have to help this person. He picked him up and brought him to an inn and looked after him. Mm-hmm. I mean, shouldn't we do the same? Yeah, and Jesus would go on and say, you know, that that guy mm. did that for me. Mm-hmm. You know, when he said, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Exactly. So, so by, you know, by doing something about the situation around us, we are doing it for, for them and we're doing it for God. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, isn't it? You know that sometimes these realities can can drive us, can motivate mm. us, and yet sometimes they can, you know, have the exact opposite effect on us, just depending on our outlook. Mm. So when we talk about this holy discontentment, um, do you think it's fair to say that we are we are striving for betterment, whilst at the same time um, being content with the the things that are going on in our life now, being aware of the things that are going on in our life mm. now? And yet also being like, I, I can't wait for what's to come as well. Yeah. You know, mm. I think what you just described there, Dave, um, it, it resonates with me a lot because I think about this in, and I, I, I 
I'm hoping it's relatable to at least still a good chunk of our audience. But as a, as a dad, it's something I think about a lot because I hear so many people say to me, you know, when they go, oh, your kids are growing up. And, you know, the, the, the thing that all dads go is like, oh, yeah, you know, they are, you know, like, look at this, they're doing that. But mm. the thing that I find almost universal is that people say, oh, you know, don't blink because you'll miss it. You know, like you're, yeah. what's going on right now, you know, you're going to miss these times and, and all the rest of it. And right from the mm. get-go, I was adamant that I'm not going to be one of those guys. I'm never going to say, oh, I really, like, I really missed that. So the only way that I can, the only way that I can say that is if I fully experience and I'm fully present for my child's growing up. And I have endeavored to do that. And, you know, Seth's three and Josiah's eight months old. And I've done that so far anyway. You know, Mm -hmm. there is, I could not, I could not say to anyone, oh, you know, it went by too fast or I missed it or whatever because I have intentionally not missed it and I don't I don't mm. want to have those regrets but that's what that requires I need to enjoy the stage that they're at whatever stage that is and mm. but also I look forward to the next stage I look forward to you know them getting to the the stage where you know we can have intelligent conversations and I can you know teach them mm. deeper things and like I look forward to all that but I'm also really happy with what's happening right now and so I think that's a little bit of a microcosm of what our entire Christian experience can be. We should be mm. thrilled to bits with where God has had us and brought us where we are right now, but also super excited about what's next. And I think if we if we play our cards right, if we do it right, our entire Christian experience from birth to death, assuming we're not uh, you know part of the second coming, assuming God doesn't come back in our lifetime, um, I think we should be able to have that for our entire Christian experience. Yeah, it, we often feel that the two are in tension, you know, they're, they're looking for the forward as well as mm. dwelling in the present. But as you was, as you said, Luke, it's it's when they're in balance that we can find the, the best path for our Christian experience, you know. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm. So, it almost sounds to me like what you're saying, and so correct me if I'm wrong here, do you think we could summarize that by saying that we won't be prepared for what's to come unless we are present in our in our current reality. Yes, I I think that is mm. I think that is a fair statement. So like for example in in your experience that you were just relating about your kids, you won't be fully prepared. You might be prepared to some extent of mm. course for the interaction that you'll have with your kids when they start being able to reason more and you can start teaching them these things that are exciting for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't built with them what you're building now in the current phase, yes you're not going to have the same degree of, of ability to build that in the next phase. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think we could we could relate that to our employment as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're not present with our current experience, if we're just constantly thinking about, you know, a promotion or, you know, what it's going to be like when I get to the top of the ladder, mm. then when we actually get there, if we even do, we're not actually going to be ready for that because we haven't soaked up the experience that it took to get there. Mm. Mm. And and I think so. I think this is one way we could look at this idea, this contrast of contentment and discontentment, is that we, if we're not content in our current circumstances, then the the circumstances that we're looking toward, you know, with this sort of envy, um, mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. actually going to be able to experience them to the best of our ability if we haven't first become grounded in in what we have, what God has given us today. Yeah, mm. yeah absolutely. Look, I, I don't. And if if we went through our life with that awareness, do you think that we would be more thoroughly prepared for each day? Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Because this is all just coming to me on the fly, but I'm just thinking to myself, man, if I lived that way, 
uh, each day would be so much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's try and do it, guys. Like, this is not just theory. Let's put this into practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. keen. <laughs> Uh, well, look, I mean, we're, we've run pretty long. I don't know if, if you guys have anything, jump in. But I think we're probably at a good place where we can wrap it. But um, I think this has been great. You know, this is when we say, when we call this a no agenda episode, this is really a no agenda episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> look at the converted boy, eh? Yeah, I, I know, right? Once, <laughs> once a pre- prepared only, now he's like, yeah, let's do yeah. this. <laughs> Embrace the chaos. That's right. That's yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I think... No, it's been it's good. Been good. Been worthwhile, so... Hopefully, it's as interesting for our audience as it was for us. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> if, if you like us just going in totally off topic and just careering off into the... Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what. Let us know. <laughs> Tell us about it. Send us, a, send us a message or something. Instagram, Facebook, somewhere. Uh, and we would love to actually know what you think about this kind of episode because, hey, you know, if we know what works, what you guys enjoy, we can work more towards that. So... With that, plus we got a whole bunch of content on those humans of Adventism questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like Caleb, thank you so much. I, I had no idea uh, how much content that you would produce for us with those. We appreciate it. So. Uh, no, it was good, guys. All right, no worries. Well, we will catch you guys next week. And uh, remember, like I said at the beginning of the episode, please, if you in- have enjoyed any of our episodes, pick your favorite and share it with a friend. Invite them to subscribe to the podcast too, because if we can enlarge the ATT family then we're going to have a much broader impact as a team. So we look forward to catching you guys next week. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so i would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that i'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating and ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast and so if you'd like to help us do that jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards but at different levels there are different benefits different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours if you can't afford that we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.